I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the On the Forecheck podcast. This is kind of an emergency edition of the On the Forecheck podcast. I am joined by Sean Smith. Hello. SCS OTF. What's up? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. So we uh, we actually recorded one of these bad boys a couple days ago. That was the uh, Brian's podcast with Eric talking about the World Junior Championships. We thought that was kind of going to be it for the holiday break. And then every single Preds news story broke all at the same time. Pretty much. It, it all happened really quickly, didn't it? It did. And uh, two days before Christmas, when shopping still has to be done and cookies, uh, that was uh, that was quite a time to be running back and forth to the laptop to get stuff done. Yeah, I was I was actually Christmas shopping when it happened, and then I've I've been forced to be away from everything because of Christmas cookies. So then we've gotten those; they're out of the oven, they're good to go. So it's it's time to talk hockey, in my opinion. Exactly. Well, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, two big signings from the Predators in the past twenty four hours, or in a twenty four hour span, I should say, because we don't know when you're listening to this. Uh, the first, Mikhail Granlund coming back on a one-year, $3.75 million deal. Um, and then right after that, Eric Howla, Granlund's buddy, apparently. Um, he's on also coming to Nashville on a $1.75 million deal. Um, so, Sean, the youth movement lasted about two months for the Nashville Predators. <laughs> Uh, I'm not I'm not exactly sure that the youth movement is necessarily dead, um, but it this did kind of come as a surprise to me. Not so much that they did sign someone, but that they ended up re-signing or uh, bringing Granlund back into the fold after that was someone that they had clearly said they were moving on from. Um, and it seemed to me that that wasn't just a decision that the team made on its own it almost seemed like Granlund was ready to go I'm not sure if he didn't feel like he was being utilized properly or didn't like the system he was playing in but um, it certainly seemed like he wasn't too heartbroken about them not trying to renegotiate something with him so the fact that he ended up back with the team a bit surprising I personally am pretty excited about it yeah that was going to be my question too was surprise I think was the right word 
Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into more on, on Granlin's second or signing in a second, but, you know, I know for me, it, it seemed like, I, I mean, and I'll ask your thoughts on this too, but to me, it seemed like Granlund giving this the old college try and not necessarily like 100% on board. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, the fact that he wasn't getting the offers he was expecting on the market, or at least from the teams he wanted. Um but but you're 100% right. I mean, when we listened to David Poyle's press conference at the end of the season, I mean, it was all like it made it sound like there's no chance of Granlund coming back. And then, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we kind of heard whispers and tweets from, you know, guys like Elliot Friedman and Pierre Lebrun saying, you know, the Predators were interested. Um but it, it really does seem like this is a case where Granlin said, you know what, I did have a little bit of chemistry with John Hines. You know, my season really took off when he took over. Let's see what he has for me in this 56-game schedule. Let's just give it a go. I agree. I think that's. I think that probably is exactly what happened. And, you know, if you look at what this – this off season was going to be regardless, you know, take away COVID-19 and take away everything that's happened and just pretend this was a regular season. This was already going to be an interesting off season, considering it's the one leading up to the expansion draft. Any, any player that you were going to sign with any kind of term beyond one year was going to end up being a player. You had to figure out a way to protect if you desperately wanted to keep them. So you, you take that into consideration already. And then you add to that everything that's happened since then with the coronavirus and you end up with this really unique, like not just unique in because of one thing, but unique because of uh, because of the expansion draft coming up. And you don't really want to take a risk on anybody that you just know is not a guarantee. We saw a few big signings, but we didn't see the anywhere near the same kind of activity you see in other off seasons. So I think a lot of guys like Granlund, I think Howla, and I, I think even someone like Hoffman and Duclair, nothing happened with him for a while. And so this is this cooling off period where, okay, we've, we've finally gotten the season to some sort of conclusion. You know, it's, 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 Hey, it's time to start signing people. And then a few things happened and then nothing happened for a long time. And I think the teams knew that they could wait out a lot of these guys and, for someone like Granlin, I'm going to say I think Granlin was really kind of counting on a free agency market where people would really evaluate him not by his time in Nashville, but in his time with Minnesota and see that potential in him. But with, again, that unique offseason that we're, we're going through, I think a lot of people weren't willing to do that. And I think they were willing to look at, OK, well, this is what he did the last you know year and a half in Nashville. And oh, man, that's yikes maybe that's not what we want um you know we at least at on the forecheck talked a lot about how he had done so much better under Hines, and in in doing so i think to us that demonstrated value and, and we would want to keep him but the team didn't want to commit any kind of term so you have that cooling off period where players realize that okay we're out of this area where guys are getting big contracts i'm gonna have to take what i can get and for granland 
yeah, there's probably some recognition of that chemistry with Hines as well as, I mean, he played incredibly well on a line with Forsberg and Duchesne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always the opportunity with the way things have shifted and the way the makeup of the team has changed so drastically that that could end up happening again. And I think that if he's looking beyond this season, he knows that if he wants to have another big contract, whether it's with Nashville or another team, this might be the best place to get it, especially with the shortened season, because he at least knows who he's going to be coached by. And I'm glad you, you know, you mentioned the line with Forsberg and Duchesne because that brought up, you know, another question that I wanted to hit is where does he fit in, you know, into that top six? Because it, it, by all accounts, from what we've heard, it sounds like reading between the lines, the preference is going to be Jofa together. I mean, we saw in the postseason how well they played together. You know, and when we heard Poyle talk, obviously no one's going to directly say this, but when we heard Poyle talk, it was never, you know, his, I guess, whenever he said something, it was always, we need to find people who play with Duchesne or who compliment Duchesne. Right. And, you know, he, he did have that chemistry with Duchesne when Forsberg was there, but it, it seems to me a lot of his success is going to depend who's on that other wing. Who would you put with him? Who do you who do you think's best suited with what the team has now to go in there and play on that? Who would side? I? Who's best suited, or who would I start there? Both. I would like to see Ellie Tolvanen start there. Not just because I feel like I want him in the top six eventually, but it's also a case of I don't really see Ellie Tolvanen fitting very well in the bottom six so i think if you're going to put him anywhere you put him on that second line the intriguing option is going to be luke cunning because i think you know a lot of people are kind of projecting him as you know sort of a third line maybe high-end fourth line guy but last year was his best offensive season in fact he put up pretty much the exact same stat line as Nick Benino, who's now in Minnesota. Um, and he's a young guy who's still finding his game. Cunning's a guy to me that, you know, might develop into a little bit of a Craig Smith. I can see that. And I, I think that's that may make a lot of sense to put Cunning on that line. Um, Granlin, definitely a lot of finesse. Um, I can remember during the return to play when I was able to go to training camp and Granlin kept putting on just these magnificent displays of just puck handling and stick handling going through people. And, and you need to balance that out, I think. And I think Cunning could do that. Could Tolvanen do it? I'd like to see Tolvanen do it. Um, but I think Cunning may be best suited. I mean, granted, we all know that the best person you could put there would be Forsberg, but I don't think he's coming off of that top line. Um, I feel like that got messed with so much last season and it finally got settled back to where, okay, this is just what we need to do. This is the best we have. This is what works. So I think he's, he's staying there no matter what. So I think you'll probably see a few guys, especially during training camp. Um, I think you're going to see Duchesne center that line. You're going to see Granlin on the wing. And I think they're going to try to figure out very quickly who's going to go in and provide that little bit of grit on that line with them. And I, I think, like you said, 
more than likely um, you're going to see Cunning get a shot there. I think you're also going to see Tolvin and get a shot there as well. Um, you know, and who do I want to see there? I want to see whoever can get the job done. I want to see whoever's going to support that line and try to do as much of what Forsberg could do for that line as he had done before. At the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? That's it. Well, speaking of trying to fit people into the lineup, there is another guy on the roster. Okay. That just came in. Ah. Uh, and that would be uh, a guy that I don't know if you remember, uh, but in one of our earlier end of season look ahead to off season pieces that you and me and Brian did. This was a guy I talked about, Eric Howla. Yeah. And I, I remember you mentioning this name several times and, and every time you mentioned it, I said, you know, Nick seems sold on this. I don't actually know who this guy is. And now that he's here, I saw, as soon as I saw that name pop up, I said, Oh boy, this is Nick's going to get a reverse retro Jersey with this name on it. He's <laughs> so excited. And uh, what's funny, I like the reverse retro Jersey. Well, we've, we've been down that road before, haven't we? Right. Um, but <laughs> here's the thing. Now that he's on the team and you've gotten your, you, you've received your wish, your wish has been granted. Um, and just think about how rarely that happens in general in this, in this sport, but you've gotten your wish. This is your opportunity because I know so little about Howla. I didn't even know how to say his name until we started this conversation. So I want you to sell me on Howla. Why am I happy he's on the team? So here, here's the high end Eric Howla. Let me put it this way. If you asked me to go out and design what you would think is the ideal third line center, it's Eric Howla. This is a guy who is so solid defensively, so solid in the faceoff circle, penalty kills extremely well, and he has offensive pop. You know, this is this is a like when he's healthy, he's a guy who can go out and maybe be you know the best third line guy on the ice in most games. Okay. You know, two two uh, so his, his best year was Vegas's first year. Okay. So he he went from Minnesota to Vegas the year they went to the cup. Um, he scored 55 points, which was his career high, 29 goals, 26 assists. The downside to him is he has been injury prone in the past couple of years, missed most of um, 2019 with a couple injuries, uh, missed some games last year, although he did play most of the season splitting between Carolina and Florida. Um that's the big knock on him, and I think that's why he wasn't on a lot of people's quote-unquote top free agents available list. Um, but I think he is somebody who can go out there and change a game mm. just by doing the little things extremely well. It's like, you know, when I say change the game, he's not Philip Forsberg. He's not Ryan Johansson. He's not going to go out there and take it coast to coast for a goal with 10 seconds left. But he's the kind of guy that it doesn't matter if you're up one or down one. You feel super comfortable seeing him on the ice in the last two minutes of the game. Okay. 
Like, he is just somebody you put on the ice and trust to make a play either way. Okay, let, let me ask you this then. You said that if you could design a third-line center, this is, this is who you would design, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if I were going to design a third-line center, it would be Nick Benino. And Nick Benino was traded for Cunnan. We're talking about putting Cunnan on the second line. We're, at some point, the Predators are going to sign him. Um, I'm assuming it will be for less money uh, than they did Nick Benino. And now we've gotten Howla to come in. And we're assuming, again, we're assuming he's going to be the third line center for $1.75 million. So in this case, we've replaced a very good third line center with another very good third line center. But in return, we've got, we've received a potential second line winger with a lot of upside mm-hmm. for less money. So does that mean David Poyle is a genius again? I mean, yeah. And this was, if this was the plan, then this was a really good plan because the truth about Benino, you and I both love Nick Benino, not only a great player, but a great guy. Yeah. But I don't think he was going to be back in Nashville next year. He had one year left on his deal. Um, And I think that knowing that it was the best time to go out and get something for him. So, you know, you look at at this situation, it's basically you get Luke Cunning for free. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, if that was if that was what Poyle was planning, you know, who knows what he was planning? But if that was it, then this is a home run play. Hmm. I like it. I'll take it. Now, if Howla gets hurt, then you know, we're we're back to square one. So that brings us kind of to a question that we had, and uh, Sean, I know somebody on Twitter asked us this question too. Yeah, uh, the question the question was from Brad Johnson, and he said, with two new acquisitions, will that give everybody enough ice time? Who's the healthy scratch? We go from what I thought was missing a player to having depth. Weird. And the, the question that we were asking was, if you're okay with me going ahead and saying this, was, you know, why abandon the youth movement we heard so much about? And it's, it's interesting because we hear youth movement, youth movement, youth movement for several or two or three months. And now with just a few weeks to go before training camps open up, suddenly we sign two veterans, um, which seems like, okay, is the youth movement gone? Um, My take on this is, and it kind of goes back to what, what I was saying before is that you've, you've got to look at this season for what it is. And the season is not just a season where you have a shortened season. It's not just a season coming off of an oddly um, concluded season with a huge break in the middle, but it's also the season leading up to the expansion draft. So the youth movement would have been just fine. The youth movement would have been just fine in this situation. I think this season is going to be, uh, I don't want to say an off season because that sounds wrong, but it's going to be a really almost like a throwaway season for a lot of teams. And I think a lot of teams are going to end up throwing in the towel early in the hopes that they can get a really high draft spot or something like that in the lottery. Um, Because it's so short, you're going to know how things are going to end up pretty quickly, right? I mean, there's certainly not going to be a lot of time for, 
you know, figuring things out, so to yeah. speak, with the shortened 56-game season. No. And, and, you know, I I put it like this on Twitter earlier. These moves tell me one of three things. I think number one is the most likely, and that is simply that David Poyle had cap space. He's entering a weird year, which includes a taxi squad. Why not just go out and pad your depth? Sure. You know, why have seven Milwaukee guys on the roster when you can go out and get two veteran players to fill out your forward core? And then, you know, if Ellie Tolvanen's the healthy scratch, maybe work Tolvanen in during these back-to-backs. You know, maybe you give somebody like Rem Pitlick a chance the second game of a back-to-back. Um, you know, so I don't think he wants to rush people in. And I think this is, this is kind of a weird year where there's an opportunity to not only go out and pad your roster, but also work some of these Milwaukee guys in without having to worry about, oh, are they going to get enough ice time? Right. You you can kind of work them in slow. Um, you know, the other two options that are less likely is number two, um, he doesn't quite trust those young people yet. And maybe that's true a little bit. And number three, there's going to be either another trade or he has a feeling someone's opting out. And that's, that's something we discussed a little bit is you, you still have to consider that someone may opt out of the season. And I, at this point, you know, we have a lot of players on the team with very young children. Um, and if you're looking at a situation where you can opt out of a season and you're not going to have that, you know, you're still under contract, you're, you're not going to have any kind of, I'm sure people will complain because people like to complain. But, you know, as, as a father, I try to put myself in that position um, with young children, although my children are a little bit older now. I don't know that that's something I'd be willing to do. I'd probably opt out myself and say, I'm going to spend this time with my very young family um, and we'll come back next year and hopefully everything's under control. And I think that, I think there's a very high likelihood of a lot of teams seeing that happen, but the predators specifically have so many families with young, young children. And so many new families, right? Yeah. A lot of people are either pregnant or just gave birth. So you, you have people who are just learning what it means to be a family at, possibly the worst possible time to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. And I think the best way to summarize it is just that this is going to be one of the most in unpredictable seasons probably in league history since we've been fans of the NHL. Big time. Well, we talked about this being an unpredictable season, but we're going to do our best to predict it. Um, for those of you who didn't see the Preds schedule is now out. Um, obviously there's 56 games. We won't get into all of them. If you want to see the full schedule, uh, it's on our website on the forecheck.com, uh, as well as some analysis. Um, the headline is January 14th. That's the first game of the year uh, against the Carolina hurricanes at Bridgestone arena. Sean, I guess first thoughts on, on how the schedule is rolled out. You know, you see a lot of consecutive games against the same opponent 
either at home or on the road. What's your first thoughts just kind of on the construction of the schedule? It reminds me of when you're trying to fit everything you can. And I like this, you've got, you've got two days in Washington, DC. You're going to see as much as you can in those two days. So you're probably going to lose a little bit of sleep. You're probably going to get up earlier than you want to go to bed later than you want to, but by golly, you're going to see it all. So I think they're just trying to cram as much hockey as they can and try to get, get through it as quickly as possible. I, you know, the last season took like, I think 18 months to complete. This season's going to take four. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty intense, but I think they're doing their best to try to do it in an intelligent way um, and try to keep things as safe as possible, try to reduce unnecessary travel um, without having to go full bubble. So um, I, I like the way it looks just from the sense of let's get through it and, and try to get into a regular off season. It's what's going to be a really interesting off season anyway. They did the, they did the best they can. I agree. So let's talk about the divisions here for a second. Um, the Predators' new division rivals, at least for this year, the Carolina Hurricanes, Chicago Blackhawks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, Detroit Red Wings, Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. Those are the only teams the Preds will play this year. Uh, so, Sean, I pose this to you. Where do the Preds fall in there where it's all said and done? Um, you know, I thought a lot about this. I've been, I've been looking at these divisions and you know, I like to make predictions and I think alphabetically they're going to fall seventh. Um, all right. That's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, I can edit in a laugh track later. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, just, just let me know if you want like friends or Seinfeld. just, just the sound of people being disappointed is fine. I'm really used to that one and it'll make a lot of sense. In context, um, no, I, I'm looking at this, and you know, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some scary teams in there. I mean, you got Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, odds-on favorite, right, to to repeat. And although they did just lose Kucherov, did, well, you know, have the odds changed since then? I haven't looked. I'm not a, I'm not a gambling man. I don't really see those. But you know, I, I see some pretty solid teams in there. But I also see some really bad teams in there. So, um. You know, you're looking, it's one of those things, it's hard to say, like, I think they're, I think the uh, Predators are going to finish fourth. Um, I think if if things go their way, they could finish uh, second, they could finish third. Um, but I also think that if things don't go their way, you know, if they're, the, and again, this is all assuming that you don't have any kind of COVID outbreak on the team, you know, just with the construction of the teams as they are, and I, I think I wouldn't have been as, as high on them if it hadn't been for the recent additions of Granlund and Howla. Um, but I think you you might see just a little bit better performance out of them than was previously expected. Um, but again, if you start having a lot of issues, your team doesn't stay healthy, you have problems, you could see that drop and you could end up down in you know sixth, seventh place. I would like to say that it would take a very bad situation to end up in eighth. But... Um, yes you know I, I, chaos is what would yeah happen. chaos would have to happen but i'd have to think that would impact a lot of other teams negatively too if chaos reigned supreme in the central division so all of a uh, sudden vladimir nemestikov in detroit's the uh heart trophy winner yeah thomas grice puts up like 20 shutouts yeah i mean it could happen it could happen 
Um, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I say my safe bet is third place. You, you get into the playoffs and, and you know, you're, you're, you're good to go from there. Um, just to do the best you can. But I, I would say if, if you, if you had, if you had to give me a number, you know, Sean, tell me what it's going to be. I'd say third place right now. Um, I would say they would be behind Tampa Bay um, and and probably Dallas. Now, I I don't know specifically what Carolina's team looks like, um, but, you know, you could also see that Florida team come alive and, and do some damage too. So um, that would be – that's my best case scenario, I guess I could say, um, with if things stay the way they are team-wise and the construction of teams and you don't have a lot of sickness, but if things, things get unpredictable, it's going to be unpredictable. So third or who knows? (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny that you said that because if you put a gun to my head right now and told me to pick a number, I would also say third. Um, But the thing is I can also see, you know, various scenarios where they finish as high as first or as low as seventh. And that depends on a lot of other teams because I think you're right. There's a lot of, we know kind of about a lot of these other teams just in sense of, you know, Oh, Carolina's on the upswing because they've had two good years or, you know, Columbus is really good, you know, just because of, you know, back-to-back kind of upset first-round wins. But there's also a lot we don't know about these teams. And, you know, for for instance, Dallas. Dallas was the Stanley Cup runners-up last year. Well, they're going to be without Tyler Sagan for a big chunk of time, and they're going to be without Ben Bishop for a big chunk of time. Very yes, true. Anton, Anton Hudobin went out there and had a very, very good Stanley Cup, but he's also never been the guy for a full season. So who knows if Dallas is going to have the depth to survive that. And, you know, you look at Nashville, we do have a lot of good pieces but we're still trying to figure out our offensive chemistry. We don't know if that's fixed. And we really don't know what the goaltending situation is going to be here either. You know, is UC Saros good enough to be like that full-time number one? Is Pecorine going to have a bounce back year? I think there's just too much unpredictability all around where for each team, where you can really look at each team, except maybe Tampa, and say this team is going to be above and beyond one of the best in the division, or I see a scenario where this team might just tank and have an abysmal year. I see that with a lot of teams, so that is going to be extremely interesting to see how that all plays out. I agree. So um, I will ask you this about the division. Is there one team in your mind that do you think the Preds will have the most trouble against? In the Central, obviously. Yeah. Uh. And, let, and let me preface this. Let me preface this by saying this. 
The Predators have not lost a regulation game against Tampa since 2013. Really? They have not lost a regulation game since 2013. They've lost in overtime three times since then. Wow. But they have not lost in regulation since 2013. They play extremely well against the Lightning. Hmm. That's that's bizarre. So am I am I to assume that I can't answer Tampa Bay? You can answer Tampa Bay. I'm just letting you know there is possibly some reason to say it's not going to be Tampa Bay. I could see them having a hard time with Carolina. They've got a, a fast team. Um, and something I noticed last season was that the, the Predators, at least as they were constructed last season, didn't do very well against fast teams. I noticed they had trouble with Edmonton. Um, I think Carolina's got a lot of uh, speed demons on there that can get the job done pretty quickly. So I could see Carolina being being problematic for sure. I would say Columbus. Why Columbus? Because I think Columbus really is one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. And I think the Predators have trouble with really good defensive teams, shutdown teams. Yeah. You know, I can see Columbus maybe battling out a lot of 3 nothing, 2-1 type games. But that's my pick. I think Columbus is a sneaky team that matches up really well with Nashville. Hmm. I, I, I'm curious. We, we should come up with some kind of, uh, some kind of wager here. Take a look at the, uh, the end of the end of regular season record, uh, that the Preds have against Carolina and against Columbus and kind of see, see who is right. I don't know what we would, what we would put on the line, but I think that would be interesting. Any ideas? It's a great question. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to hash this out. All right, we'll we'll let that one marry. We'll, we'll take the holiday break to think about it. Okay, I like it. All right. Well, uh, in case you are a betting person, uh, we do have the Vegas odds. So this is how Vegas thinks it's gonna shake down. Uh, they have the Lightning at one, at three to two, Hurricanes second at seven to two. Stars third at nine to two. The Predators are fourth at six to one. So Vegas thinks we're one off from your from yours and mine predictions. Okay. Uh then they have blue then they have blue jackets at fifteen to two, Panthers at eight to one, Blackhawks at ten to one, and Red Wings last at twenty five to one. Hmm. So they're they're kind of going shock here. They're going with the common consensus that Carolina or Tampa Bay's the class of the division, which they probably are. <laughs> um, and then kind of a muddled second through six, and then the Blackhawks and Red Wings just with in the long shot category. Yeah. Well. So if you're a betting person, uh, Predators six to one. Interesting. I, I don't know if I don't know if I'd take that bet or not. Mm. Um, but no. there is some other uh, divisions out there. Um, 
So, Sean, I'll ask you this. Um, you know, by now, everybody listening, I'm sure you've already seen the realignments for next year. If you if you haven't, uh, you can also find that on on the forecheck.com. Um, Sean, when you've seen these divisions that have come out, um, I'm curious, is there a team out there that's not getting a lot of discussion that you think may surprise somebody? You know, maybe maybe somebody that is going to be benefited by being in their particular realigned divisions. Um. Okay, so I think one of the things you got to look at is I think you take a look at the the northern division here, the Canadian division, and I look at the Canadian division and I see I see a team like Ottawa. You know, I see a team like Edmonton and these, these are teams that, that sometimes, you know, really disappoint. Um, but, and, and, you know, there's always Toronto and things like that, but a team that was starting to get scary good, right. When things came to a conclusion last season was Calgary. And I think Calgary is kind of playing in a, in a league where they can do a, or in a division where they can do a lot of damage against some of these other teams and put up big numbers. And, and even if they're not, say, number one in the North, they're going to get into the playoffs. And if you get them into the playoffs in a, in a higher spot, I think they're going to have a good opportunity to to put in some work against some of these other teams and make it make a pretty deep run. That, that's just you, me. What, what do you think? You and me are on the exact same page on this. Uh, so the Vegas Oddsmaker has Calgary – uh, fifth, so they don't even have them making the playoffs. That to me is a is a sneaky good bet if you're a money person, or if you're a gambling person, because Calgary did get good last year at the end of last year. They also added Markstrom in the off season, who was one of the best goalies in the league. They have a pretty good defensive team with Giordano there. This is, yeah, I mean, Calgary is a team that, you know, you can, I mean, I, I think part of it also is I look at the North and I really don't see like a standout, this person, this team is above and beyond everyone else. You know, Toronto has defensive problems. Edmonton has defensive problems. You know, Vancouver, I think might be a little bit overrated going into this year just because they lost so much from last year. And then, you know, the Canadians are an injured carry price away from disaster. Yeah. So you, I 100% agree. I looked at Calgary and thought this might be a sleeper team. Like this is, this is a team that can benefit from playing in a bad division may, and then maybe put together a really good series in the conference finals and then get to the Stanley cup finals. I mean, that's a, that's a team where everything's lining up for them to just kind of sneak in there. I think so. I I think, I think that's, you know, I think especially with you, if you start looking at the teams in that division, because they are the Canadian teams and a lot of them get a lot of hype. uh, It seems like Calgary is the one that doesn't get a lot of hype anyway. And so I think a lot of people are failing to recognize that they're more focused on the fact that all the Canadian teams are playing and not so much that one of these Canadian teams doesn't get tons and tons of discussion, like say uh, Toronto or uh, Edmonton. 
but they're going to be a very powerful team. In that so team. let me uh, pull up this Elliott and uh, flip it and reverse it. Wow. Is there a team? I, I, I can hold fair applause for that one. <laughs> or silence, either one. Well, it's probably silence. Just the disappointment sounds. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll edit this out later. All right. So the question I ask, is there one team that's highly rated right now or considered a favorite that you don't think is going to have a great season? Oh, oh, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I think I'm so focused on on the teams that I think are going to shine in these realigned divisions that I'm not looking at the teams that are going to flounder in their realigned divisions. You know, last season, uh, last season, at least last off season, um, a lot of people were really high on New Jersey, and I had, I had predicted that they wouldn't even make the playoffs, and that ended up being very true. Um, and so I'd like to I'd like to have another moment like that where I can make a fun prediction that actually comes true for once. Um, <laughs> but th- to me, this this is a little bit more difficult. Um, so, gosh, let's see. You know, I, I'm going to say, and this this may, I'm not going to say they're not going to make the playoffs, but I don't think Washington's going to be as good as uh, as people expect them to be. Interesting. Why? Well, I, I think you've, you've got a lot of, uh, huh, gosh, now you want to know reasons, huh? Um, my reason for the, the Devils last year was that I just didn't think they were going to be good, and that apparently was enough of a reason. Um, I don't know. Um, who is the coach of the Capitals? Peter Laviolette. Okay. Um, now I don't want to, I don't want to jump on the Laviolette hate train here or anything. And I know that he seems to turn teams around very quickly when he gets to them and, and ride a, a pretty big wave of success for the first couple of seasons. Um, but I also know that a lot of that has uh, been done with spectacular goaltending. And uh, I think they, I think Washington's had a bit of a goaltending setback. A lot of changes happened there. So I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to be able to weather that storm because they're playing in, uh, they're playing in a division that has a lot of teams that score a lot of points. So I think you could run into trouble there. That's just me though. What about you? So I'm going to stay in the East division. Okay. But I'm going to go Pittsburgh Penguins. Tell me why. And I I think they've been trending the wrong way for the past few years. And I don't really think they've done enough to kind of salvage their situation. Mm. Um, now I would like, like, I think I'm in the same boat as you where I'm not going to come here and predict that they missed the playoffs outright, but I look at that division and you have Boston, you have Philadelphia, you have Washington, yeah. you have the Rangers with, you know, maybe one of the best forwards in the game right now in Panarin yeah, and a very improved defense. You know, you have the Islanders, who are a very good team, and even the Sabres. You know, Jack Eichel is a legitimate all-star, and Taylor Hall just yep. came over. There's a lot of teams that you can see that you would make a legitimate claim that they'd be in the top four ahead of Pittsburgh. 
True. Now, again, Crosby and Malkin are there, so you cannot rule them out. You know, it's going to be a situation where, hey, Crosby might have an MVP year just to will the Penguins there. Yeah. Because that's happened quite a few times over the past, like, 10 years. He can do that. Yeah. Oh, we we know. I, I don't have to remind you about 2017. I'm well aware. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, I think the East is murderer's row. And I, I think there's... If there's if there's a situation where the Penguins can't find depth beyond Crosby, Malkin, and just for giggles, let's say Jake Gensel, uh, I think there's enough teams in that division that are better than them to threaten their spot in the top four. I, I think that's fair. Well, we uh, we'll have to see about that. Um, in the meantime. We are going to take a very, very short break. Um, On the other side of the break, we will answer some questions from the Preds faithful. Stick around. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sean, I don't know about you, but I'm all about those goods and services we just heard about. Those are some of my favorite goods and services, Nick. Perfect, perfect Christmas gift. Love it. For all you last minute shoppers. Everyone will like it. Well, uh, as we mentioned earlier, we actually just did a podcast a couple days ago. Um, Eric and Brian sat down to talk about the World Junior Championships, which are going on right now. And a cup, there are five, five Preds prospects playing in the tournament this year. It's the most in, can't remember what Eric said, but it's the most in quite a while. Yeah. Um, so if you're done with us after this and you need something else to kill time, uh, head on over to uh, On the Forecheck or wherever you get your podcast and give that a listen. And I'll tell you, if you if you want to hear someone who knows what they're talking about, you want to listen to Eric talk about prospects. He's incredible. Absolutely. Best, best in the uh, national market by far. I agree. Well, Sean, um, we are not the best in the Nashville market at anything, but we have a podcast right now and people have questions. So let's get to our mailbag segment, shall we? Sounds great. Yep. And all of you, Lob, thank you to anybody who uh, tweeted us or DM'd us some questions. Uh, Sean, why don't you take the first one? Now we're looking at the, uh, the panic mode question, huh? Oh yeah, we are. Okay, so uh, Minor League Rando asked the question, was David in, and I assume he means Poyle, but was David in panic mode after Duclair went to Florida? Because if this is panic mode, I like it. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, I'll give you a brief answer about that. I, I know from everything that, that we've heard and all of the whispers and the, the thises and the thats that um, it seems like Nashville was in on Duclair. And I know that that several people really wanted Duclair, including myself. I was disappointed that we 
we didn't get Duclair, but I don't necessarily think this is panic mode. Um, how do you say this? I think Poyle is smart enough to know what the situation is and know that pretty much anyone available at this point is more than likely going to be a one-year situation. And probably that he wanted someone that could come in and have the biggest impact in one year. And if there's one thing I can say about Poyle, and just from the, the times I've spoken with him and things I've heard him say when I haven't been speaking with him, he does really seem to care about his players and care about their families. And so if, if getting Granland or someone to come back uh, gives Granland a sense of normalcy, at least they have a very young family too, and that gives him an opportunity to have the best chance to prove himself to get a bigger contract next season. I think that was something he was more than willing to do. Now, was he in on Duclair? Sure. When it fell through, did he go to Grandland next? I think so. But I don't think it was a result of panic. I think that was part of the plan. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you there. All right, Nick. Now, here's one I'm going to throw to you. This is from Preds Empire. And the question is, what are the next big blockbuster trades that could or should happen? Well, I'm not going to say the what, but I'm going to tell you the when. I don't think we're going to see anything big until at least the NHL trade deadline this year. And I think even then, it's not going to be a long-term hockey piece. And the only reason I said the trade deadline is because if Taylor Hall happens to be available then, you know, if Buffalo's sort of out of contention at that point and the Predators are in a good spot, I could see the Predators and Poyle, you know, being aggressive and trying to get Hall over here for the stretch run. Um, there was, you know, a lot of rumors earlier in this year that Hall was on the top of Poyle's wish list. Um, you know, we've kind of heard from our own separate sources that he's been high on him for a while, you know, kind of inquired him about a couple of other times he's been available. Um, that to me would be the next big trade that could happen. Um, and then I would say if for some reason this season just didn't work out, it's a disaster. Um, you know, the Preds are sixth or seventh in division. I think you're going to start seeing significant pieces of that forward core swapped. And I think that would happen after the expansion draft. Mm. You don't think anything would happen at the trade deadline if the Preds were in the in the dumpster, do you? I don't think it, I don't think they're I don't think if they're out of it unless just somebody made a freakish offer for Victor Arvidsson or somebody like that. Um, but I, I don't think Poyle is the fire sale type, at least from what we've seen over the past several, over the past decade or so, all of his deals have been most, even the deals at the deadline have been, you know, expiring contracts, people with one year left or whatever. So I don't think we're going to see anything big for a while. Sounds right. I don't think I don't think the trade deadline is going to be, gosh, I mean, much of anything unless you are in a really good position to to make a solid run. I think you that's when you might see somebody willing to you know to to 
try to get some big pieces. Um, or if you got a team that is, you know, hey, you're somebody that's had a really bad year. We're in the dumpster and we don't want to protect them next year. Let's try to get rid of them. I think that could happen. Yeah. Too. I mean, they have, they have to be either really close to cup contention or worse than last year's Red Wings in order to see a big, a big, big something. I'm assuming that's what he meant by this question is blockbuster. Yeah. Um, you know, we might see, I don't know, Jesper Faust come in middle of the season, but I wouldn't exactly call that a blockbuster or anything like that. Okay. Um, this is, this is my favorite question. Okay. And uh, this comes from us, um, from our buddy, Scott Motla from eyes on the prize. Okay. Would you rather fight one Tenorti sized Canada goose or 100 Canada goose sized Jared Tenorti's? Wow. Um, let me, let me, before I answer this question, just, I, I want to know, you know, who I am uh, in this foxhole with right now, but Nick, have you ever really had to stare down a goose? Uh, I actually have. Okay. Tell me the story. It was, it was not, it was not the most fearless I've ever been. Geese are terrifying. Um, I don't know any other way to put it. It's like a murder duck. Um, they're bigger than ducks and they want you to die very quickly. Um, they are faster than they should be. They have the power of flight. Um, so there's a lot to consider here because number one, geese are already pretty big you're not looking at like a, just a big chicken or like just a, a duck that's had a large meal. You're looking at a, a terror bird. And I'm just going to say this size wise, a Tenorti size Canada goose isn't that much bigger than a regular goose. Okay. I mean, realistically, yes, they're a big size difference, but a hundred, they're, they're not six foot four. No, they're not. But I mean, you know, they're a solid, you know, bigger than you'd think. And uh, let's see, 100 Canada goose-sized Jared Tenortis. That's a lot of pretty big Jared Tenortis. I'm going to have to go with one six-foot-four Canada goose. And I'm going to tell you why right now. I think you could take advantage of that neck. So you're going for, like, strategy and weak spot. Yep, 100%. So you've, it sounds like you've done some film on this before. <laughs> well, I've, I've been chased by more geese than I care to talk about. We'll just say that. That's that sounds like a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> chased by geese. Yeah. Chased by geese coming coming to lifetime. <laughs> the story of my middle school year. <laughs> the story of Sean's life. Chased by geese. That should be the uh, tagline for this <laughs> this episode. Chased by a goose. Chased by geese. I like it. Uh, Let's see that. That's the uh, extent of our mailbag. Well, what we, would you do? You didn't answer the what question. What would I do? Yeah, I need to know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the question would be easier if it was 100 Rocco Grimaldi size Jared Tenorti's. Oh. I feel like that's a Canada goose. Oh, right there. That hurts. I don't know. I mean, I've seen how, how tall are Jared. You? How tall are you? I'm six foot two. Okay, I am Rocco Grimaldi size. So that hurts oh. my feelings. Well, Not really. It doesn't really hurt my feelings, but still trust me at this height. I know a goose is not as tall as me. Yeah. Well, you know, you ever want to look at me eye level, just get on Brian's shoulders and then 
Oh, we got jokes now. That's great. Yeah. It's good. It's like Russian dolls. Just every mm-hmm. member of the OTF staff just pops yep. up in a smaller sure. staff okay. rider pops out. Okay. Good times. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a good way to end the mailbag. Uh, there was actually four questions. One of them got answered in our first segment. Um, but again, yeah, if any of you listening at home have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, uh, either random topic or a topic of conversation for our next podcast, just tweet us, um, either myself, underscore NS Morgan, Sean, um, at SESOTF. Thank you. Thank you for filling in that blank. Yeah. Uh, you can also check our main account or the at four check pod. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot, or just leave a comment on a story. There's there's lots of ways you can get involved. Um, well, it is uh, the holiday season. Lots of cheer going around. Um, Sean, I have to ask you. Okay. What is the best hockey themed gift you've ever received? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what this is. And uh, I think I think this is a good story. So uh, my wife, whom I love dearly, um, got myself, and well, we didn't realize exactly how this worked at the time, um, but she she purchased the opportunity for us to be in the penalty box uh, before the game during warmups. Which I know that's something that essentially you're making a donation to the Preds Foundation, which by the way is an incredible foundation. And you should donate money to it. Uh, we actually have a contest going on with that right now. If you have, want more information, go to on the four check and check out the article about the three six five fund. Um, now that that's out of the way, here's the story. Um, she got uh, she she purchased the opportunity for myself and and her her brother, my brother in law, to go into the penalty box uh, for warm ups, and it was versus the Lightning. This was a few years ago. I can't remember when specifically, but. Um, of course we went and we realized when we got there that it was actually, it wasn't just like, Oh, Hey, we're doing this for two people. It was, you've basically rented the penalty box for warmups. And so she was able to go in there with us. But I thought I learned that you're actually going into the opposing team's penalty box. Right. So I thought it would be fun to take something with me to leave in there. Um, and, uh, I wrote a little note. I had someone else write it so they couldn't trace it, but, um, it was just a little three by five index card. And it said, uh, on one side, it said, thanks for the power play. And on the other side, it said, you suck. <laughs> while I was in there, I tucked it into the, uh, the Gatorade bottle holder, um, on the bench. And I remember, um, I had a friend who, who knew about it. He, a friend from work who knew about it. And so he was watching the game. And of course we were in, we were up in the, in the, uh, up in the stands for this and the game starts and I kept waiting and waiting and I could see from where I was that that note was there. Um, and then at some point it got moved and I couldn't see anymore, but apparently you could see um, the first time that Tampa Bay ended up in the penalty box. You saw when they showed the guy sit down in the penalty box that that note was there. And then when they came back from a commercial, the note was gone. So I know, I know he got it, and I know he read it, and I know that in that moment he felt shame. He felt extreme who was the, shame. Do you remember who the player was? I can't remember who it was. Um, if if I had really thought this would be a story I'd be telling today, I would have gone back because I have pictures of him sitting in the penalty box with it missing, 
Um, but I, I would go and find out um, who it was. But um, I don't know. He looked pretty disappointed when they came back from the commercial. I think it may have hurt his feelings. So, um, you know, I just that's probably the best hockey related gift I've ever gotten. What about you? Well, first off, Alex Kalorn, if you're listening and you've been waiting for revenge for all these years, you now know who's responsible. Is that who it was? Do you know that? I have no idea. Oh, uh, that's well. I'm just taking a shot in the dark. Well, it's it is a possibility. It, it does seem like Alex Kalorn would be a guy from that era who would be most upset about some taunting note. Mm, yeah. Or Brian Boyle, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the person who's most likely to climb over the glass and go after you. Yeah, uh, Tampa's to... a polite team. I'm looking now to see if I can figure out who it was. We may or may not find it because I got a lot of pictures I got to look through, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I may or may not have just found it. I actually oh. found the pictures. Who was who it? Was, it? It was number 13 in. Uh, Cedric Paquette. In uh, 2018. Yep, Cedric Paquette. Yeah, he was. So not, there, there you go. He's a he's kind of a tough guy. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's a much larger man than I am. So that's not saying a whole lot, but <laughs> watch watch your watch your back the next time you're in Tampa I guess, Bay. I guess so. To look out for Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. Although I guess maybe they'll they'll be. Is he still on the team? Yeah, he's still on the team. Oh boy. Okay. And guess what? He comes to Nashville four yep. times this year. All right. Well. Lay low. There you go. <laughs> Hide. Uh, just avoid the Tampa Bay side if you have credentials this year. I'll I'll do my best. There you go. Okay. What was what did you say? What was what's your gift? Uh, the best gift. Now my first ever Predators game was a Christmas gift. Technically, um, nineteen ninety eight. It was it was the Ice Storm game. Um, long-time Predators fans know what that is. It was the first time the Predators ever beat the Red Wings. It was also the first time the Red Wings ever played at Bridgestone. And it happened during one of the worst ice storms Nashville had experienced in like a decade. Um, but the story was that it's not as cool as yours. Um, I always used to stay up with my mom and dad and watch like NHL tonight. And this was like, the 21st or something like that. And my mom said, Hey, do you want to open an early Christmas present? And little nine-year-old me said, absolutely. So they gave me a box. I unwrapped the box and out, it comes out a brand new Preds Jersey, you know, like one of those like silver sleeve ones from back in the day, the really cool ones everybody wanted. Yes. And I said, Oh wow, a new Jersey. And I'm like, you know, looking at it and there's just dead silence from my parents. And they're like, wow, was there anything else in the box? And I said, no. And they followed it up with, are you sure there's nothing else in the box? So I like slightly look around. I'm like, no, there's nothing in the box. And then they look at each other, walk over to the box slightly move a piece of ribbon out of the way and say, maybe you should look now. (laughs) And under their breath, I'm sure they muttered, you stupid kid. Um, So I looked in there and there were two tickets to the Predators Red Wings game, December 23rd, 1998. Wow. Uh, Still the, the first 
hot NHL game I'd ever been to, and it was a uh, it was a classic. So that that was uh, my earliest Preds Christmas memory right there, and what what a good one to start. How old did you say you were? I was nine years old during the oh, inaugural wow. season. That's crazy. I was in college. Well. I've already made fun of you for being short. I can't make another joke. Uh, well, I mean, you can, but I've I've made my quota. Like, okay. I think I come into this with a quota. You hit quota today, so we're good. Yeah. All right. Well, next there's a there's more podcasts to come. I'll get that in next time. Oh, sure. I hope so. Uh, wouldn't, well, it wouldn't be a day if a kid didn't make fun of me. That sounds great. That's not, well, I I weep for you. Well, I feel like we've rambled on a lot over the bunch of random topics, so uh, let's say our goodbyes, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Sean, uh, one more time, uh, if you want to let the masses know where to find you. Um, so let's see. If you want to find me on Twitter, my handle is at S-C-S-O-T-F. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Good. And uh, you can find me at underscore NS Morgan on Twitter. Um, and as always, you can read our stuff at onthefourcheck.com. Uh, we'll be back probably sometime after Christmas, New Year's, uh, with more content. We've got division previews coming up. Uh, we'll also be chatting with some of the SB Nation writers from other sites around the NHL, get their thoughts on the Preds and the uh, Central Division this year. Um, In the meantime, everybody, no matter when you're listening to this, I hope you have or had a great Christmas break. Everybody be safe, be smart, and we'll see you next time.